0: Welcome to Harvest Mission Community Church. You are listening to one of our sermons. We're just excited, as you have heard, we are in this last week of our 50 days of freedom. And I don't know about you, but as you've kind of seen some pictures, and also as some of you witnessed this, this past Friday, You know, it it becomes very tiring, and I I I was talking to several people about this. It's because when issues constantly come up, uh, it it has a way of putting this weight upon you. It gets very heavy. Uh, First of all, some of you have never realized you have these issues. And so that initial shock of realizing that this is who I really am behind all the facade, behind all the things that you have been trying to portray yourself, it can be very discombobulating. I mean, it will literally put you in a state of confusion, and you're like, what what am I to do? And that takes a toll emotionally and psychologically on you. And that's why some of us have been feeling that throughout these last several weeks or even From the beginning as we've started this, can I just encourage you? That's exactly what Satan wants you to feel is fatigue. I'm tired of this. Let's quit. Let's give up. Let's not do this anymore. Because he knows that once you start recognizing and realizing some of these things in your life, then when you step out in faith and repentance and trusting in God, that's when he knows that you can experience freedom. So we're not there yet. Some of us are just kind of breaking through some of the basic things where we realize things about ourselves. you got to lead to repentance and then to receiving the gospel, the message of grace and forgiveness, acceptance, that can only come through Jesus Christ. No other gods. It's only through Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. And then from there, recommitting yourself to living in this freedom. That's why it's important. For some of us, I think we're fatigued and tired because you know what these issues are. You've been struggling with this for many years. People have told you these are the things that you're struggling with. These are the things that will trip you up. And I don't know about you, but whenever someone tells me something that I know I should do, but they keep on telling me, it's kind of like nagging. And after a while, you're tired of it. You're you're just fatigued of hearing it. That's where some of you are right now. You know these issues. This is not the first time. People in your life have told you because they love you. They care for you. And sometimes when you know it, but you don't want to hear it anymore, that's the hardness of heart. And that's exactly where Satan wants you. So that you can experience freedom. That, that will be his greatest joy. That you'll be in his bondage forever. Until the day you die. For others of us, I think a lot of it is just realizing that, yeah, we experience this freedom. You can shed all the tears you want. You, you feel this joy. But then all of a sudden, a couple days later, even a week later, you go back into it. And living in Asia, it's all about performance. And so you get very discouraged. And you keep on going through the cycle. And after a while, I'm telling you right now, you will be fatigued. You will be tired. It's literally trying to do something over and over again with no results. That will exasperate you to the point where you don't want to do anything. And that's where some of you are. And I was thinking about this throughout this week because I've been meeting up with people. I've been talking with some of us. And I'm realizing that Satan, if he's, if he's not attacking you front on, just like head on, he's going to come in different ways to discourage you. And I'm wondering if these are some of the things that he's doing. So I want to encourage us as we finish off in this last week. And next Sunday is going to be great. You don't want to miss it. And those people who haven't been joining, uh, I want to encourage you to come in person because it's going to be a celebration. We're going to celebrate hear testimonies and all the different things that God has been doing so we can be encouraged. We want to end this campaign on a high note so that it will be a lifelong journey of living in freedom. So let's make sure that we come out for this next Sunday. Let's be prepared and let's use this week not to get discouraged. Keep on pressing on. I'm going to talk a little bit about that as we're talking about wearing God's armor. And it's going to be important for us to understand and to step out in faith and trust in him. I wanted to kind of start off and just talk about, as we, if you have your Bibles, you could turn to Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to talk about wearing the armor, God's armor. And many of you are familiar with this passage, but we're going to put it in the context of what we've been talking about the last uh, almost 40 days, uh, 40 some days, which is about what? Which is about the spiritual warfare that we're in and that we want to experience the freedom that God has for us so what does it mean to put on this armor of God those of you grew up in the church you know the story you know the different parts of the armor but I want to challenge us to look at it in the context of what it means to be truly free and so as we talk about this As you're turning to Ephesians chapter 6 And the notes have been given I hope all of you have received it through your life group If you're new, we welcome you uh, You can do it on our website You can get the notes there And so hopefully it will be able to encourage you As you follow along I think one of the things that uh, is amazing Is how equipment And different technologies have changed Over the years A lot of it is because of greater awareness and also just new discoveries and different technologies that keeps on improving every single day. Can you imagine there was a time when there was no mobile phones? There was a time when there was no personal laptops or tablets. Um, We're talking about these huge machines, but they don't have much memory. I mean, just to think now we're into the gigabytes and the terabytes when we were just dealing with kilobytes and megabytes some time ago. And so when you think about all these different technologies, and all these different improvements that we have in our lives, there's something amazing about it. And I think many of us can testify, especially with some of us, we've seen it on the news, with the whole discovery of galaxies with pictures that are amazing by the James Webb uh, Space Telescope. Now prior to that, those of you who might not know is the Hubble Telescope Space Telescope was launched uh, in around April of 1990. So we're talking about decades ago that this satellite telescope was launched into space, around, still circling around the, uh, Earth, the Earth's orbit. But then in December of 2021, so within just the last couple of years, a year and a half or so, they launched the James Webb space telescope and some of you have already seen some of these pictures and i I think it's just phenomenal as i was kind of doing some research on this i'm realizing that the things that we are able to see now and the sharpness of it and the clarity of it is blowing people's mind and in in many ways it's testifying already to what hopefully many of you knew that god is the god of the universe can i get a good amen to that that God created all things and that God is full of wonder and we cannot fully grasp Him because He's so much greater and bigger than us. To think that even on this planet Earth, the small dot of a dot of a dot, which is part of a planet, a, a, a solar system, but then that's just a dot of a dot of a, a bigger galaxies and there's galaxies all over and we're talking about universe. It, it just blows your mind that God, who is so great, so awesome would look upon us with care and with love if you ever doubt if god loves you i want you to go out in the night sky and look up or just turn to the nasa website and just stare at that forever until you know that god loves you to know that out of all the people in this world and some of you might aliens well even if it's aliens of all the creatures in this world that god made us in his image in His likeness, that He did not for anyone else or anything else in all of creation. Now, if you don't feel special about that, I don't know what will. That's why when you get to know God in His vastness and His greatness and who He is, it will blow your mind. So I want to show you some of the pictures. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to compare and help you to understand what technology does, how good equipment will help us to be able to see things that we only could have imagined, but now we're able to see. These pictures have forced people to ask the question, where does the Big Bang come from? Who started all this? This majestic, this beauty that now we can see with clarity. Who started all this? And that's why I love talking to atheists, or people who didn't really grow up in the church, because they're so adamant about the Big Bang. But I always challenge them that you, it, you need faith as well. Because who started the Big Bang? And then they always brush it off. I'm like, who knows? And the same way they say, well, where is God? Who, who, who invented God? Like well, who knows? I tell them who knows. I, I use their same answer. We both require faith because the initiator, who started the earth? Is a Big Bang or is it God? You don't know where Big Bang started from. Well, not in Korea for sure. But, you know, you don't know where it came from. And here you are. Cannot explain where God came from. But it's amazing how these two paths, which both require faith, because you don't know where it came from, where it got started, but the paths are different because one is leads to fatalism and no sense of purpose. Because it just seems like you're just here on this earth by accident. Or there's a God who loves you and there's a purpose in life and he has a destiny for you. And so just like technology, I want you to listen, just like technology, as we have just seen and witnessed with our eyes. There are so many things that's constantly improving due to greater understanding of the situation and also because of better technology, as I mentioned. When you think about equipment for sports, uh, one of the things you'll begin to see is the evolution of the equipment. And those of us who are not really well-versed in sports, you're going to have a double whammy because I'm going to share about American football. And so you don't know about anything about sports, you don't know anything about American football. But those of you who are familiar with American football, you realize that they have to wear equipment in order to play this game. And so what I wanted to do is I want to show you uh, just a real quick video that talks about some of the recent discoveries and understanding of the concussion issue that affects the brain And and, and this is powerful because a lot of these athletes who played football, American football, they decided to donate their brain for research when they pass away. And when they were researching the brain, they began to discover things about their brains that are completely different from just anybody who hasn't played football. And this is what's causing a lot of alarm and concern because once again, the frontal attack, when you come in and head on, it affects the brain in such a way that the need for better equipment, such as a helmet, is so needed. So let's just watch this really quickly, and it's gonna explain a little bit of what's going on with the whole issue of concussions. Isn't that crazy? we're like football. But I want you to think about this for a moment. That here's a sport that you need this equipment because you know what's gonna come at you in terms of the impact. And because of money, because of all these other reasons, popularity of it, they're trying to minimize the situation or they're trying to find better equipment. And the reason why I'm starting off my talk or my sermon in this way Because there are many of us in this room We know about spiritual warfare In fact I would would like to venture to guess That some of you Might not have been aware Until we started the 50 days of freedom Now knowing this fact That we are in a spiritual warfare The question now I have for you is What are you doing about it? Have you put on the right equipment? And even with the right equipment, the question is this. Are you able to fight off the battles that many of you have faced, you are facing, and you will face in the future? And that's why I think when you know the damaging effects of something, why wouldn't you pay more attention to it? Why wouldn't you try to find different ways to address it? And so when I think about the damaging effects of spiritual warfare in a person's life, I think about my life, I think about many people who are close to me, I think about some of us in in our church here. When we think about the damaging effects, you could try to improve on all the technologies to see things more clearly, to try to help protect as much as possible. But when it comes to spiritual warfare, it's not about new technology. But in fact, it goes back to something that's very simple. I was thinking about this this weekend. I said, how much has technology helped our Christian life? You could assess the Bible. You You could have access to the Bible at any time. It is on your phone. There was a time where you did not have that ability. You had to bring your own Bible. You had to open it up. You had to read it. Oh, there goes Pastor Seth again. When I was young, all that kind of stuff. That's not what I'm trying to communicate here. I'm not saying back then was much better. I think it's great to have it on the phone. But something about having access 24-7, sometimes it hinders us for doing the very thing that we all do, which is simply read the Bible. There are more web pages and websites of a plethora of information that we can obtain in a second but we have become more Bible literate and less theologically grounded than all the previous generations before. So just because you improve on technology or you try to improve on some kind of equipment doesn't necessarily equate to better protection and avoiding some of the damaging effects on your spiritual life. This is the reason why today I want to talk about not only God's armor, but we'll notice towards the end of the passage that he talks about a weapon that we have that we oftentimes do not utilize to the extent that we should so that we can overcome the spiritual warfare that we're facing on a daily basis. So therefore, as we are starting the seventh week, and we're going to conclude next Sunday with the celebration of this 50 Days of Freedom. I just want to make sure that we finish off well. Those of us that I addressed earlier, if you're fatigued, if you're discouraged, if you feel like, well, this, you're getting cynical, whatever the reason for you, I want to challenge you to understand that is a sign that you are being spiritually attacked. And until you can face the truth, and the truth will not, it will set you free, but it will not cause you then to act upon it because you can know the truth and still be in bondage. You got to respond in obedience to God. So let me give us the one thing as we talk about wearing God's armor. The one thing is simply this. In spiritual warfare, there is no substitution for good preparation. There is no substitution for good preparation. And part of preparing is putting on the full armor of God on a daily basis. And I'm going to explain what that means. Putting on the full armor of God. So there are two things I'm gonna focus on when it comes to good preparation. I'm gonna talk about our equipment for the battle. Secondly, I'm gonna talk about the endurance in the battle. When you're going through the battle and you have the equipment, but how do you endure? So we'll talk about that at the latter part. So let me first talk about our equipment for the battle. You have to notice that earlier in Ephesians chapter six in verse 10 to 12, which we talked about in the beginning of our journey, That Paul encourages the believers to be strong and to put on God's armor. Because why? We are in a spiritual warfare and now he repeats the same idea right here in verse 13. He says the importance of putting on God's armor. Now, let me just pause here and kind of help you to think this through a little bit. You have to remember that Satan is actively trying to work against God. So for instance, if you are getting blessed, you're growing, there's a hunger that God has put in you for the Word of God. Some of you are wanting to reconcile and take care of things that you know you ought to to get these relationships in order. Some of you, God has been speaking to you in areas of sin and challenging you to obey, to learn how to say no to your flesh so that you can say yes to God in this situation that we are in you have to understand that this warfare this battle that's going on it's not of flesh and blood it is not of this earth in fact he tells us that earlier where it's against the principalities and the dark forces of this world so it is spiritual in nature not physical sometimes it could affect the physical but the battle is spiritual in nature This is the reason why you cannot see it. This is the reason why Satan oftentimes is very good. He is smooth when he can attack us, not in a physical sense, but in a spiritual realm. And he begins to do it with our minds and our thoughts. That's why we need a spiritual armor in order to fight this spiritual battle. Some of you are trying to fight this warfare on your own now please don't misunderstand me i think turning off getting rid of apps turning off certain things you, uh no longer seeing that person or uh, limiting different things in your life all those things are good because those are practical things that you can do in your life right now to experience freedom but here's the problem the battle is not just against flesh So by you turning that off, or doing this, or doing that, or not doing this, or not doing that, yes, you might find a little bit of victory, but you have to understand our battle is spiritual in nature. So therefore, here we are, when the battle is spiritual by nature, you're trying to fight this in the physical realm. That's why you're losing. That's why we're constantly stumbling and falling. If you want to fight the spiritual warfare, which is spiritual by nature, then you have to fight it, not in the flesh, Alone, but you have to fight it in the spiritual realm. That's the key. And this is the reason why he shares this when he talks about in verse 13. I'm going to read verse 13. Listen to what it says here. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. What is the apostle Paul trying to say? What he's saying is that it's God who gives you the full armor. Now, just try to imagine if you're trying to play football, American football, what you have seen. And all you have is a helmet. I'm like, I'm ready. But you don't have any shoulder pads. You don't have anything. And then you get hit. You're going to break something in your body. Or if you want to look at it the other way, you have all the shoulder pads. You have everything, the cleats, everything that you need. But you don't have a helmet. You will probably die. See, one of the problems is so many of us, we, we put on different things. But it says put on the whole armor of God there is something that God has prepared and given to us that all we have to do is put it on what I'm going to do is I'm going to try to help us to understand what is Paul trying to say and then look at this armor because why because as we talked about it's important that we understand our equipment for the battle which is a spiritual battle As we read in verse 13, we notice that Paul commands the believers to do two things. What are the two things? The first thing is this. Be suited with God's armor. So you got to put on. The the term put on, it's translated as put on. So when you take up, excuse me, when you take up the armor, as it says in the ESV, what Paul is trying to say is you got to put this on. The interesting part about this is that we're not called to make this armor or find this armor rather it just tells us to take up or to put on now this is very critical if you think about this what if god says go find your armor go make your own armor then you realize that it's all about human effort what we're trying to do but he says put on or to take up what that emphasizes is simply this idea that it's God who has already provided a way for us to engage in the spiritual warfare. That's, that's the beautiful thing about this preparation is that God has already prepared for us this spiritual armor that we need. So not only do we suit up with God's armor, but another command that he gives in verse 13 is to stand firm. You'll see it repeated two times. The reason why it's important to take up God's God's armor is so that we will be able to stand firm during the evil days. Now, this evil days is referring to just general testing or hardships, but some scholars believe that it's a reference to the intense tribulations and persecution that's coming. And I don't know about you, but globally there are more persecuted Christians right now than the history of Christianity. We do not know what will happen here in Hong Kong in the next 10 years. It's amazing how just in a blink of an eye, things begin to change rapidly. Us being able to freely worship like this in a business center, we might not be able to do that in the future. That much more life groups are going to be important for your spiritual life. But what God knew is that there will be some increased tribulations and persecutions and hardships. So what did he do? He provided for us the spiritual armor, and this is the reason why he says to take up or to put on. You don't have to do any. All you have to do is take up or put on this armor. You will also notice the word stand in verse 11 earlier that we did not read, but he mentions that. He also mentions in verse 14, as we'll see later. And what he's trying to do is we are in this spiritual battle If you remember the illustration that I gave you Is that because of Jesus Christ We have literally gained Back what we have lost And this is all ours Every single time Satan comes And he attacks you and then he lies to you And you believe it and you give in And you capitulate to all of his schemes What you're doing is you're giving up ground Then you are then isolated And limited to the small little space This is how some of us live our Christian life This is it When already because he died on the cross for us, we have eternal life and all this is ours in Christ. Every spiritual blessing that's in Christ. So every single time he wins, when he puts doubt in your mind, when he lies to you, you're giving up more ground that's already ours. So when he alludes to the fact, when he says stand firm, he's saying this is all ours in Christ. So stop giving up that land. Stop giving up that piece of what Christ has won victoriously. He says, stand. Because Satan's going to keep on pushing you back. So he says, stand. And don't let him do that. That's why we see in verse 13, this idea of suiting up with God's armor and also to standing firm. Now let's get into the more of the specifics as we talk about the equipment for our battle. I want to talk about the necessary preparation that was given to us so that we can stand in our ground, which is this equipment. Now it's important to understand in verse 14 through 17, he begins to describe each part of the armor that has been provided for us. There are six components and you need to understand each of these components. I'm not going to have time to elaborate on it because of time. So I'm just going to try to go through it as quickly as possible to talk about the importance of it in the physical realm. And I want to talk about it in the spiritual realm. Why these components of God's armor, which he has already provided and given it to us. And all we have to do is put it on. Here are the six things. The first thing is the belt. The belt of truth. And why is this important? Because the Roman soldiers, if you do some research on this, you realize because of the armor that you saw in that picture before, they had this belt which will hold their garments and also it will be a belt in which they can hold other equipment. So it was a very important part of Their equipment that they have. If you look at police officers, you'll see them wearing this belt. Because that's where they have the handcuffs. That's why they have the baton. That's where they put the gun. They have the mace. They have all the stuff. It is like this belt that holds the whole uniform together. And why is this important for believers? It's because we know that Satan is a liar. He hates the truth. He distorts the truth. And the only way we're going to be able to defeat him is with the truth. That's why he says this belt is so important. The belt of truth. You got to know the truth. Some of us, you've been going to church all your life. And many of you do not know the truth. This is what happens when you grow up in the church and you just attend church. It's just the religious things that you do. Or you just go because your parents told you to go. But now as you are in college as well as away from home and you're in college, some of us, we are single adults and we are kind of living our own separate lives. And now you realize the temptations and the different things that you are facing in your life right now and your Christianity that you grew up with is not strong enough to be able to withstand some of the onslaught of the evil one. That's why, you know how many college students, when they thought they were, they were youth group presidents, they were worship leaders, they were Bible study leaders, they were like the talk of the town in their youth group. But they go to college or university and guess what happens? They fall away. Because it was all about the external things of what they did. They did not internalize the gospel. If you don't believe me, look at some of your friends who you grew up with in the church. See where they are. Apart from the grace of God, unless they found a good church and a good fellowship, many of them have probably drifted away. That should make you humble. Why in the world did God bring you to Hong Kong and then have, us, have you get introduced to our church? Where we focus on discipleship, where we focus on life transformation, or obedience to Christ. You have this community that many of your friends do not. So you should be thankful. To think about what God has provided for you Not because you're better than any of your friends But because of His grace That you don't deserve anything But God decided to extend His grace Don't get me wrong I'm not saying certain churches are not good Or they're not doing this or that But many of us have not been confronted With some of these truths in their lives, And your friends Who haven't been confronted with some of these things They're just living their own life where they couldn't drink or smoke or do all this stuff, be in a relationship when they were at home, but now they're away from home, and so they find this newfound freedom, which is not really freedom. In fact, it's pretty much a life of bondage. Some of you are like, how do you know this, pastor? Well, let me exp- explain it this way. Whenever I meet people, and they go, man, Christianity, it's like you're like enslaved. You have to try to, you can't do this, you can't do that. I always chuckle and laugh, and I said, you know what? Tell me anyone who's addicted to pornography, anyone who's addicted to drugs, anyone who's addicted to sex, anyone who's addicted to alcohol and tell them to stop now you tell me who's in bondage when you are able to say no to some of these things that feed into our flesh that is not slavery in fact that is freedom that you have the freedom to say no But any of your friends and some of us right here in this room, you're not able to say no. You are in bondage. Though you think you're free to do whatever you want, no, you're not. You're controlled by that substance. You're controlled by that relationship. You're not free. You're the one who's in bondage. And so this truth is the word of God that will help us to be set free. The next uh, component we see is the uh, breastplate. It, it, You have to understand, it was normally consisted of this uh, armor, but it was overlaid with leather. And the reason why is it's supposed to protect the chest, so it's like a double layer. And so this breastplate of righteousness, is about, it's not about our justification before God, the righteousness that it's like only Christ can give, but it's the practical righteousness. Now think about this for a moment. Why is the breastplate needed And why is it so important in a war Because there's a what There's a vital organ Called the heart And when you stop the pumping of the heart You put an arrow through it Or a gunshot through it Whatever it may be You kill that person instantly This is the reason why we have to put on this whole armor and part of it is this breastplate which protects the heart, protects the vital organs of a person. Because when these vital organs are punctured or pierced, you will notice that they will bleed and they will die. So think about this for a moment. If Paul is not referring to this breastplate of righteousness that only Christ can give unto us, what is he referring to? Because he's not talking about justification by faith. What he's talking about is righteousness that's a practical righteousness which is equated to personal holiness. Now let me give you an example so that you could kind of understand. What happens when you live in sin and you know you're sinning? You only do two things. You either rationalize and justify that it's okay. Or it will kill you because of the guilt. And I've seen a lot of people rationalize whatever they're doing. I'm, I'm telling you, right? We are masters of rationalization. I don't know how many counseling sessions I've been in. I'm sitting there. I'm, I'm hearing what they're trying to say to me. I'm like, wow. This person is literally rationalizing what they're doing and why they're doing it. When clearly I could pull out Bible verses to show them. I say that for the last. I just listen. Because the more they talk, the more things that they give you to later on help them to see where they're wrong. Or maybe just their lies that they believe it. So here we are, as we think about this, what happens? Then if it is not towards this area of justification or rationalization, what do we do? We are overcome with guilt. To the point where you don't want to do anything that deals with church, God, or anything else. Because we cannot live a discombobulated life. It's kind of like sine and cosine. There is a dissonance. And you cannot live like that. The more dissonance that you experience, the more you're going to try to rationalize it so there could be some semblance of unity in your mind and your heart. So that's why this guilt is so overwhelming, what it begins to do is you will then either stop doing it and start obeying God so you can live in peace, or you will completely push away from things of God. This is what we call falling away. So you can get rid of the dissonance. It's like a ringing in your ear constantly, that guilt that will overwhelm you. This is the reason why God is saying, I provided this for you, because this is a theological term called sanctification. What does that mean? Sanctification means becoming holy, being set apart. If you want to look at it more simply, it's just becoming more like Jesus Christ. That's what it means to be sanctified, to become more like Jesus Christ. And part of putting on this armor, this rest plate of righteousness is that when you live in integrity when you live in obedience to god that you don't have to try to rationalize sin you don't have to face this dissonance you could be at peace let me give you another example it just popped up in my it's not even in my notes the holy spirit speaking hold hold on let me let me explain this way let's just say you cheated on an exam Okay, let me look away because some of you are like, he's looking right at me. He knows. Okay, so, uh, so let, let me look over here. Let me talk to the mountains. and, and over there. Let's just say some of you cheated on an exam. <gasps> okay, those of you who, who never cheated on an exam, you're cheating on your taxes. <sighs> the list gets long. You're not faithfully tithing. I mean, the list gets long, okay? Let's just say. You know what? Let's just use tithing. I think this is a good good example. Let's just say that you're not faithfully giving. As part of a member, you're a member, a covenant signing member in our church and you're not faithfully giving. And we're constantly talking about offering. We're trying to encourage you, not what we want from you, but what we want for you because greed can capture your heart and it's going to totally disrupt your Christian life. And all of a sudden, you, and I make this comment like, some of us have not been giving faithfully. And I say something like, you know who you are. As if I know who you are. But I just say, you know who you are. Now, if that's you, and you have not been giving faithfully to the, to the Lord, then every time you see me or Pastor Bo or any of your leaders, what are you going to be thinking? Oh, Pastor, come here, let me give you a hug. No. Avoid the pastor. Same thing if you cheated on an exam and the teacher makes a comment, you're like, oh my God, does he know? Let's make it more practical. You gossip about somebody. And then they talk as if they know it's you. I hate it when people gossip. (laughs) I was so hurt when they made all these comments. You know that feeling. That feeling is this. Do they know? Do they know? And if they know, are they judging me? Will they love me? Will they accept me? And guess what it does to that relationship? You avoid them. You don't want to talk with them because you're afraid of being found out. Anything that reminds you of them or that group of people, you will Avoid when the bottom line is they don't know. Trust me, I don't know who tithes or not. I just know the figures. But I don't know if you tithe or not. So you can lie through your teeth and smile at me while we're all rowing the boat trying to get to our goal and you're just relaxing on your lemonade and going, life is good. I love church. I don't know. But your conscience will bother you. Are are you with me? Does that make sense? This breastplate of righteousness is about living in holiness and obedience to God so that you will not try to rationalize your sin or try to then get rid of the dissonance and fall away from God. That's why this armor part is so important. It guards the heart, this vital organ, because that's what God looks at. Not the external things, but he looks at our heart. The next thing that we notice is not only the belt, the breastplate, but we see the shoes. The soldiers needed to wear these sandals or boots, and they almost had like these spikes. Why? Because the idea is to stand. You don't wear these shoes so you can move forward. It's these shoes so you can hold your ground. And it's like those of you who play sports, like football cleats or, or any kind of shoes that for outside, it digs into the ground, and so then you can have better grip. That's what he's referring to when he says this shoe, the gospel of peace that you have this on. Because it is when you have peace, peace with God and peace with other people where you can stand firm and don't have to be cowering away or being shy. This is where you can have confidence. In fact, I would say when it talks about the the sandals or the shoes of the gospel, it's referring to how this gospel paradigm that we talk about all the time, the more you understand it, the more you're going to have peace. Once you have peace, not the dissonance or the rationalization, but the more you have peace, the more you can live confidently. Some of you don't have peace because there's something in your life that no one else knows, so you're afraid. That's why you live in anxiety. That's why you struggle. You can have peace with God. The Bible tells us it's what? Through the forgiveness of sins. So when we confess, repent of these things, we can have peace. And then with those sandals, we can stand firm, confident. No matter what Satan does to us. The fourth one is the shield. And as you saw it, it was a rectangular shield and it was almost about four uh, feet high. So about like maybe uh, a meter or so or a half or I, I, I guess around there. I'm trying to convert it into English uh, conversion. But this this thing is, is enough to cover the whole body. Now, the interesting part, I didn't know this, is that they would put leather over this wooden shield. And they would wet it. And now, this is important. Because during this time of battling, there will be arrows that will be shot from the bow. And these fiery arrows will come, and if it hits that wooden shield, it will start burning up. So that's why they put the leather there, and they made it wet, so that when the fiery arrows will come, it will distinguish it at that moment. This is the reason why I thought Paul made this illustration, because all, when you look at scripture, there are references that talk about the fiery arrows that are coming our way. So Satan uses these fiery arrows to burn us up. To burn whatever is good around us. So when we have this shield of faith, we are able to now distinguish all these different fiery uh, arrows that Satan uses to burn us up. What are some areas of faith in your life that he uses to crush you? That's why we have to put our trust and our faith in Christ and Christ alone. The fifth one, two more here, quickly here. Not only the belt, the breastplate, the shoes, the shield, we see the helmet, the helmet of salvation. As you know, the helmet is essential for protecting the soldier from head injuries. And that's why we have to understand that salvation, understanding our salvation is so important to be able to protect ourselves in this battle. Why? Because salvation gives us a new life and it gives us a new identity. Every single time you are battling in your walk with God, let me just say this. Some of us are tempted to go back to our old identity. Some of us are struggling to go back to our old ways. But when you understand the salvation and what that means for you, your life is now dead in Christ, but now you are new. That's what baptism is all about. That when you understand that it protects your head from all these doubts and all these lies. No, Jesus Christ died on the cross for me. Know that He has forgiven me. He has given away so that I could be forgiven. I am not righteous on my own. I cannot save myself, but I need Him. And the last thing we see is the sword. The sword is used to engage the enemy. So, once again, He's supposed to stand, and when the enemy comes, then you use the sword to destroy whatever is coming at you. Now, why is this important as He talks about the sword, which is the Word of God? It's because, in the spiritual sense, What do we have to at least kill some of these things that come at us, the demons and uh, some of these evil spirits? All we have is the Word. The promise that God has given us in His Word is what we have to actually defend ourselves and to fight. That's why there's power in God's Word. I hear stories after stories of people who go through some difficult things. They lost a a family member through an accident. Things that are outside of their control. Some of them have been abused physically and sexually, emotionally. And they, they don't know what to do with this. But there have been times when they have saturated themselves in the word of God. And God has brought healing through the word. And once again, when I look at our generation, we have become such a Bible illiterate generation. It's because we have so much access to everything that we just, we're apathetic. I might have shown that video a while back of these people in closed countries where they don't have access to Bibles, but when they receive it, they're overjoyed. Why? Because they don't have access. They would tear pages of the Bible, of that one Bible that they have, and they would memorize it for that weekend. when they gather together, they'll start rotating the pages. That's why when they received this Bible, they were overwhelmed in tears and rejoicing and crying, weeping over the Word of God. We don't do that because we have access to it any time. And so that's why sometimes the increased technology and access to something causes us to be complacent and also causes us to be lazy. What would happen if we didn't have any access to the Word of God? I'm wondering if we would take every single word that comes from the scriptures, and we will begin to cherish them. That is our sword. I want to challenge us with this thought. Are you putting on the whole armor of God? Are you just putting parts? Because that's where the arrows will come and destroy you. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to make it. It's already provided for you. That's part of the preparation. All you have to do is take it on and put it on. And I want to close with this next point, which then is going to lead us in our time, of response not only our equipment for the battle as we talk about there's no substitution for good preparation the second thing is that when you are in the battle the thing that we forget oftentimes is that it is draining it will cause us to get discouraged especially when satan keeps on taking more ground and that's why i want to talk about our endurance in the battle Let's close with these three verses. Listen to what it says in verse 18, 19, and 20. Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication, to that end keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Another weapon that we have that oftentimes we do not use is prayer because God knew so well that when you're not connected and abiding in Christ that you are going to struggle you will bear no fruit as the bible tells us and that's why in order to endure and have perseverance prayer is such a vital part so once again you know this but you don't do it You know that prayer is powerful He has worked many times in your life But we don't make the investment Because we trust in ourselves Because prayer is really dependent Dependence on God I was talking to some people Recently And I've I just been making a lot of observations I'm more of an observer I like to look and just kind of See human nature And one of the things that uh, I always bring up with people especially when we're meeting and they start sharing. Sometimes, uh, if if you met with me, I'm not trying to pick on you, but I'm just kind of sharing more as a general principle. When I meet with people, sometimes they will share with me some deep things or some struggles or some difficulties they're facing, whether in their life or in their family or their workplace, whatever it may be. And one of the questions I ask is, did you ask anyone to pray for you? That's one of the first questions I ask. Did you ask anyone to pray for you during this difficult time? And I'm expecting, yeah, I, 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 I asked my LCG, my life change group member to pray for me. I asked my life group to pray for me. I asked some of my close friends to pray for me. That's what I'm expecting. But you know what I hear? They look at me almost kind of like bamboozled. They're just like, uh, no. And then to that, I respond, why not? And they go, I don't know. And this is where I think many of us have to deal and confront with some of the things from the past and even our own lives. In the Asian culture, it's a shame culture. Middle East, it's a shame culture. Parts of Africa and other places around the world, it's a shame culture. Everyone but the United States and England, they're just like, whatever, ah." you know, they have no shame. That's why we're so loud in the MTR. We just, we're just, no shame. You know what happens in a shame culture? The worst thing you can do is ask for prayer because then you have to share something that only the family members should know. So ever since you're young, You grew up not sharing things that you should be sharing because you cannot solve this by yourself. You need God. You need other people. So what has happened? You have become a very self-sufficient person. It's so obvious. Everyone sees it but you. You trust in yourself and no one else. You, You try to take care of things by yourself and don't ask for help. When you're struggling, when things are hard, you don't share with anybody because you want to be able to overcome it Because you don't want to show weakness in your life. And I'm telling you right now, that is completely opposite of the Christian life. So some of you who think you're doing soap and you're praying, you think you're growing, but I'm going to tell you right now, you are missing a tremendous part of your spiritual life because you are choosing shame and self-sufficiency over importance of asking for prayer. Let, let Let me put it this way. Whenever I ask people for prayer, here are some things that happen. It helps me to realize I'm weak. Can I ask you, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Okay, let's, let's do it again. Uh, when I ask for prayer, it reminds me that I'm weak and I cannot do everything by myself. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Good thing. Praise God. Also, when I'm going through things and I ask people for prayer... The people I'm asking, it helps them to grow in compassion and love. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? good thing. And when I share that I'm struggling and I need prayer, it helps those people that are hearing the prayer request, it teaches them how to pray. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Great thing. Somebody said it's a great thing. Brilliant. So think about that. It shows you that you're weak and you need God. It helps other people grow in their prayer life. It helps them to grow in traits like compassion and love. So you become a tool to help other people grow in their sanctification. So give me one reason why asking for prayer is a bad thing. Or they will look at me a certain way. Well, maybe that's what you need to fight because that's what Satan tells you. The times, I want those of you who have been in our church for some time, now. I want you to think of the, about this for a moment. Think about the times when you were in life group or prayer gathering. I don't know, just the times when we were able to just do community and there was somebody who shared and you rallied around them and you prayed for them and, or you actually experienced that prayer from other people. Can I ask you? Like, what did that do for the group? Didn't you guys bond closer together? did you guys feel like you're in this together you're like a spiritual family so everything that points to that it's a good thing Satan does everything to push us back and not do it and get into our small little space and say you know what I'm going to try to figure this out by myself and that is your downfall and I'm telling you right now because we are in this part of the world that that's how it's reinforced over and over in your family in this world around us at workplace at school the society. In order for us to live the purpose that God has for us, you have to go against that. So you've got to open up. You've got to share. Because there's power in prayer and so here he goes on and what does he say he says we need prayer in all times in in the spirit pray in the spirit with all prayers and all supplication i'm going to read to you in the message translation to give us a better understanding of what he's trying to say he says in the same way prayer is what come on say that word essential to this ongoing warfare it is literally the strategy if we're going to win it is essential it's not an option. It's not something that would be nice to do. It is essential. Pray hard and long. Pray for your brothers and sisters. Keep your eyes open. Keep, your, keep each other's spirits up so that no one falls behind or drops out. This idea of we've got to do this together and the way we're going to fight this is when we begin to pray. The idea of keeping alert with all perseverance means to keep watch and not to give up. How many of you don't, don't raise your hand But think about this How many of us Have prayed And it just seems like It's not working And you want to give up That's exactly what Satan wants to do I'm wondering how many of you if I, if I were to say God will answer the prayer Right here In this timeline So here we are Today right now In this moment here And you're praying You're praying You're praying You're like Oh gosh Why am I praying for this Nothing's happening But then you get pushed And encouraged And so you're praying you pray. And you're like You know what Forget it I'm not going to pray anymore Here you are Almost right at this point Where God is going to answer And deliver But you have given up I mean ideally It would be more like Okay here we are In in the linear time And it would be like Okay I'm praying I'm praying I'm praying I'm praying Oh thank you Jesus He answered the prayer I don't know why I'm going to give this illustration But I'm going to be A little bit wiser here Uh, Come on up bro Okay, just making sure. Oh, we have the same color shirt? Praise God. Okay, stand over there. Amos, right? Okay, Amos. Sorry, I just went blank for a moment. So, you're praying and you're supposed to get here. Okay, so I want you to walk really slowly. So, what did Satan do? You're like, dude, man, dude. God's not going to answer your prayer. So, you're then going, okay, well, But your brother, real brother, and your brother in Christ, you know, they, they go, come on, you can do it. So they're pushing it from behind. You can do it. You can do it. So you're moving, and all the Satan's realize that it's going to get close. So he goes, hold on. Okay, I'm not going to tell you. Hold on. <laughs> hold on. How long have you been praying? It's not, God's not answering your prayer. He might not even answer your prayer. Why are you doing it? You're wasting your time. Then what do you do? Okay, thank you, brother. Then he goes back to his seat, right? That's what we do. (laughs) That's what happens. We don't persevere. We give up right in the moment because Satan knows that when you keep on praying, Not only for yourself, but for saints, other brothers and sisters. When you begin to pray with all types of prayers, you're going to see God answer. Because he's going to do it in his time, in his way. Not dictated by you, but by him and his purpose. And Satan knows that. And what is he doing? He will do everything possible to oppose you. That's why Paul says, be alert. Keep your eyes open. Be diligent and vigilant and understand what's going on. And begin to pray. I want you to notice this that even in verse 18, just that one verse alone, there are four instances of the word all. Four times he keeps on saying all with all types of prayers for all prayers and all the saints. What he's saying is it should be encompassing of our lives. Prayer is the very thing, it's like breathing. It's it's the air that we breathe, it's the food that we eat. It's the sustenance of our lives so that we can fight the spiritual battle, especially when you're getting discouraged, especially when you're feeling fatigued. That's another thing. I, every time I hear about people, I'm so fatigued, I'm so tired, we're trying not to use the B word. That's a bad word. But I'll say it now. This is when you have to blurt it, you know, beep. Burnt out. You know, you hear, whoa. I hear that all the time. I'm like, burnt out. Why are you burnt out? Because whatever you're doing, if it's the will of God, you should never be burnt out. You could be tired. But what you should be looking at is when you're feeling fatigued and tired, you don't have the energy to go on. One, of the, one area you should absolutely look at is your prayer life. Till this day, of all the years I've done ministry and how tired I've been, every single time i've been connected to god and i've been praying and my prayer life has been deeper and stronger those are the times no matter humanly speaking everyone's like i don't know how you do it i don't have the strength but god has strengthened me every single time so therefore i want to flip it around and say every single time you feel fatigued or the b word or all this other stuff in your life i'm wondering have you been in prayer and I would venture to guess knowing what I know and what I've experienced you probably don't have a prayer life or do you pray to the point of what Paul says in this perseverance so stop complaining Like, I will have every single compassion on you if you say, Pastor, I'm praying one hour a day, every single day. I'm praying in my NTR uh, uh, commutes. I'm praying even whenever there's the dead moments. I'm not checking my social media. I'm praying. I'm in the Spirit of God. I'm praying and depending on Him. And then you say, I'm tired and I give up. Then I will have a lot of compassion on you. But if you're complaining and you say you're tired and you're going through all this stuff, but you don't have a prayer life, there's a problem with that. That's the same thing where you go on a vacation trying to relax, but how many of you know when you go on a vacation, you come back, you need another vacation from that vacation because it's tiring. (laughs) How many of you guys want to take a little break and you watch your social media or Netflix and afterwards you're like, and you're more tired. That's not the kind of rest you need. That's not the kind of break that you need. When you're spiritually tired, when you're spiritually struggling, what you need is prayer. You should be praying. You should ask others to pray with you, pray for you. And then see if you can experience a supernatural strength and energy that only comes from God and God alone. That he talks about. This powerful dunamis power that works within me. He talks about that in the book of Ephesians. One illustration that I thought of as I was writing this, I was thinking about, do you remember the story in Exodus chapter 18, really or 17, a really important story. When you look at that story, it was the Amalekites were coming against the Israelite people, and then Joshua and some of the people went down in the valley to fight them. But where was Moses? Moses was up on the mountain, and he was praying. And then as he was praying with his hands lifted up, what happened? His hands got tired. So then Aaron... And then her, these two came under him, put a rock there, and they helped to lift up his hands to pray. And every single time his hand would go up, the Israelites, as he looks down, he's seeing them victorious. Every single time his hands went down, he saw them losing. I think that's one of the reasons why it's important. Even as we're praying, we stretch out our hands. We're lifting up. It doesn't have this tremendous significance, but there's something about lifting up hands to surrender ourselves to God as a sign. To say, I give up, Lord. I can't do this. It has to be you. To let go of things that we're holding on to and being able to say, God, it's you. That's why when you see people in our church, when we're worshiping, we're singing, we're lifting up our hands. It's not just so you can look spiritual. Oh, oh, she's looking at me. Lord... This is not a sign to look spiritual it's a sign that simply reflects your heart to say i surrender i give it up to you lord i need you i'm reaching out to you and i'm reaching for that person so that they could experience the love of god let me close with this this idea of the whole armor of god the power of this is that it is a picture of jesus And I'll explain it with some verses later, but in the next episode, I want you to think about this. Because the Bible tells us Jesus is what? The way and the truth and the life. So Jesus is the truth. Not just this belt of truth, he's the truth. Also, we see a scripture that talks about Jesus as our righteousness. We also see that he is our faith, but this is where we put our faith in. I talked about this last week. He is the Logos, the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was was God. So He's the Word. He's our salvation. So every single part of this armor is a picture and a metaphor to putting on Christ. It's learning how to depend on Him and trust in Him and having love for Him and worshiping Him above all other things. That's why in a spiritual warfare, there is no substitution for good preparation. And part of that is putting on Christ. So what does that mean in some of the next steps? Listen to what it says. First of all, is this. It's put on God's armor daily. What does it mean to put on God's armor daily? Let me give us some verses. Some of you, this is my encouragement to you. When you put on God's armor daily, you're thinking, okay, how do I do that? Because I don't want to come in with a Roman soldier uh, outfit and say, hey boss, how do you do that? Well, first of all, look at some of these verses and this will help you. I want you to say it with me. The first verse is this. It says, but what? Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh or to gratify its desires. So putting on the Lord Jesus Christ, what that means is simply instead of giving yourselves over to the flesh thing you're allowing Christ to come and to control you and lead you. Here's another verse. Listen to what it says. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 24. It says, And to what? Put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. So that means to start thinking that because you have been made new in Christ. Every single morning you wake up, I'm a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. I put on the self because of who Jesus is. The next verse you will notice here is what? It says, Put on the new nature as being renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. So every single day as you know him more and become more like him, what do we see? We're putting on our new nature. I'm not like that. I I was like that, but I'm not like that anymore because of Jesus. Here's the next verse. It says in Galatians 3, verse 27, New Living Translation. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have what? Put on Christ. Like putting on new clothes. Isn't there this Chinese thing when it's Chinese New Year, what do you do? You buy new clothes. Why? Because it's a symbol. You throw away your underwear, you throw away your whatever old shirt, and then you put on new things because it's like a new year. See, Chinese people are more biblical than we thought. (laughs) You put on Christ so you have to remember and listen to how the message translation puts it i thought this was good our baptism in christ was not just washing up for your fresh start it's kind of dipping in the water whoo i didn't take a shower this morning but praise god no it's not just washing up for a fresh start it also involves dressing you in an adult faith wardrobe get some new clothes which is your identity in christ Christ's life the fulfillment of god's original promise So that means that whoever Christ is, as you begin to know Him more, as it's clearly given in the Word, as you obey and start living, that's when it means to put on Christ. So every single morning, I want to challenge us to put on Christ, to put on God's armor. Think like Christ. Feel like Christ. Act like Christ. By His grace. So that's the first thing. Second thing is this. Practice abiding in Christ. We talk about this all the time. How do you abide in Christ? Well, simply you lift up prayers along the way. I'm weak, Lord. I cannot do this. I admit that I cannot, but I believe in your word. And I'm praying, I'm interceding right now, and I'm going to make a decision to follow you. And then you express things. The A B I D E. You admit, you, then you begin to believe, you intercede, you decide, and then you express things. You could pray that prayer in 30 seconds. I'm wondering what will happen to you if you will begin to pray and learn how to abide on a regular basis. And the last thing is pray thereby prayer. So pray on a daily basis and then pray thereby prayer. It comes back down to the importance of prayer. Thank you for listening to the Harvest Mission Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit our website at hongkong.hmcc.net.